The Soccer Gambling Podcast is brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate your summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. You are listening to your Champions League recap show here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow me on my other Twitter account as well. It is at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. The pin tweet on that account will always be my profit and loss spreadsheet for the past month. So at the moment, you can look at the month of May. The month of May was a good one. It was my 120th month in a row of Transparent Track Profit. That means for an entire decade, I haven't had a single losing month in sports betting. All of my other spreadsheets are posted on my website, lockbetting.com. So we are here to talk about this season's Champions League and take a brief look ahead to next season's Champions League as well. Of course, this season's trophy was won by Manchester City, completing the treble that every Manchester United fan, including me, did not want them to get. But I did pick them to win this trophy at the start of the season. We did have money on them to win this trophy as well. So ultimately, winning money is the most important thing when you do a podcast called the Soccer Gambling Podcast. Therefore, I do have mixed feelings about what happened few weekends back in Istanbul with Manchester City lifting the trophy after a 1-0 win against Inter Milan, which was far, far from a comfortable evening's work. So the stage is set inside the Ataturk Stadium. The supporters here from Manchester City and from Internazionale of Milan. It's the double winners alongside the double winners, but only one team can complete a treble. Here's Rodri, who of course was heartbroken not to start two years ago in Porto. Now Gundogan, promising position. On it goes now to Stones for Manchester City. Bernardo Silva. Brilliant by Bernardo Silva, but what on earth is DeMarco doing? Allowing them to run and run and run. DeMarco's just backing off and off and off. And that shows how close it was. There's a problem down there for Kevin De Bruyne, and this is a big concern for Manchester City and Pep Guardiola. 
heartbreaking for Kevin De Bruyne. And I think he's trying to keep his emotions in check as he leaves the field here. As Jolien said, the second time he's had to leave early in a Champions League final. But what a player to bring on. I mean, Phil Foden is a match winner in every sense of the word. Oh, 100%. Someone that loves the club, loves football. So, yeah, as devastating as this is for Kevin De Bruyne in Manchester City, Phil Foden is more than an adequate replacement. He doesn't want the, the sorrow off his friends. Sorry, he just wants to get off the pitch. But hopefully there'll be more times for Kevin De Bruyne. He's going to leave it. Martinez is in. Trouble here for Manchester City. Good save by Edison. Complete breakdown in communication between goalkeeper and defender. And they almost paid the price. Oh, didn't they just? Yeah, but again, he comes from the press from Inter Milan, forcing the errors, and that's what they've done all night. And again, that's something you can't prepare for. In all the tactical plan that Pep has in his head, you can't compensate yeah. for that. Looking for Foden inside the box. Brozovic, the captain, back there to fill the gap. Gundogan looking to make something happen for his team. Now Foden. Really good defending again by Brozovic, who chased Foden out. Here's a Kanji for City. That's a lovely little ball in. Bernardo Silva. Tight angle, pulls it back. Coming onto it now to shoot. Yeah! Score! to Rodri cool as you like he's not thrashing the ball he just opens his body up on his right foot and almost curls it look at this look at this angle have some of that now Brozovic header came in from Chalanoglu and then Dumfries was challenging Lukaku's in there DiMarco there as well oh it's in the bar DiMarco hits Lukaku I think still not clear it will be now he does in Lukaku Astonishing passage of play. Incredible. He can't believe it. Two headers, one off the bar, one onto his teammate. Maybe Ruben Diaz may have cleared off the line, you never know, but what a passage of play. That's what you need, you need bits of luck. It's a scoreline that makes good reading. If you're a Manchester City supporter, Rodri after 68 minutes. Oh, Phil. Here's Phil Foden on the move. Phil Foden saved. Well, that's a vital save for Anana, but what an opportunity for Foden. The initial little burst and the better skill to get him away was outstanding. Outrageous play there from Phil Foden. And again, probably unique to him, only something he could probably do in the yeah. midfield. So, hence why Pep brought him on when, when Kevin had to, needed to go off. Four wait for the cross in the middle. It'll come now from Gersons. It's a deep one. It's too deep for everybody. Kept alive here by Belanova. Still they wait in the middle. Brozovic flicks it in. Gersons coming in. Gets it. Oh, what a save! save goal. What a oh, save! Oh, That's an unbelievable save from Edison. An amazing moment for the Manchester City goalkeeper. Has that moment just secured the Champions League? I think it's Lukaku with a header. 
back from Gerson's Lukaku point blank range Manchester City survive again survive for the second time since taking the lead how has he missed this oh it's just bounced off his knee what a header from Diaz as well because it's so awkward yeah. for him to twist DiMarco delivers Glanced oh what a save Edison I think it was Robin Gerson's it's a brilliant save again yes and they've done it they've done it Manchester City have done it once twice three times a champion champions of Europe finally history made in Istanbul the treble complete greatest story in club history has an ending and what a final chapter Rodri with the goal Edison with two outstanding moments and Pep Guardiola is a European champion again there's a blue moon shining over Europe tonight and Manchester City are the kings of the continent and Ilkay Gundogan raises this famous old trophy high Manchester City the European champions making treble winners they've reached the promised land what a night what a season congratulations to Manchester City before we unpack that any further let me take this quick time out to tell you guys about bird dogs bird dogs shorts make you look good Bird Dog's stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. These shorts fit way, way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs have fixed that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice your movement. If you're interested, and why wouldn't you be, you need to get a pair of these for the summer. And if you want a pair, head over to birddogs.com slash pull and enter your promo code pull, P-O-O-L, for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pull. And you get yourself a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. So moving back to the Champions League final first, before we look overall at the Champions League and potentially who will win next season's Champions League, Manchester City were very, very lucky here in this final. They did not turn up, in my opinion, to their fullest for both cup finals. They were nervous. They were nervous getting over the line. And that's not really surprising. If you look back at Manchester United's treble in 1999, they did not play well against Bayern Munich. They got over the line comfortably in the end, but both the Premier League and the Champions League were a struggle. Everybody remembers the Champions League, but not a lot of people remember that Manchester United need to win the Premier League on the final day of the season and actually handed the ascendancy to Arsenal temporarily on that final day by going 1-0 down at home to Tottenham with Les Ferdinand's goal before Beckham and Andy Cole had to pull it back either side of half-time. So we had to beat Tottenham 2-1 on the final day to get over the line to win the league. And that was against Arsenal. That was a top Arsenal team who would uh, win the league the season prior to this. 
So we were trying to win back our league title from Arsenal. And we had to get it done on the final day of the season. This is also an Arsenal team who pushed us all the way in the FA Cup. We had to beat them in extra time with 10 men in the semi-final. So we had a real, real challenger, a top-level team, a team who themselves were capable of winning the treble. I know we joke about Arsenal now and we talk about how they choked this season and how they've gone on to become a little bit of a joke, a little bit of a satirical team, a bit of a satirical meme over the past 10, 15 years. But Arsenal in 1998 were a major European force. Just go and have a look at the players that they had. So this was a monumental achievement, not only to just come ahead of them in the Premier League, but to also win the FA Cup. But we headed into the Champions League, clearly nervous against a top, top Bayern Munich team after beating a top, top Juventus team from 3-1 down on aggregate. We were 3-1 down on aggregate, away to Juventus in the second leg and came back to win 4-3. That's what Manchester United did. And for that commentator to say, this is the greatest achievement in club history, is absolutely ridiculous. He, in his position, should not have that level of recency bias and should not be shilling to the modern-day supporter. That was not the greatest achievement in club history, although it was great. I don't want to take away from it, and I don't want to take away from the fact that Manchester City have achieved something great and should have been nervous. This is what you set out to achieve at the start of the season, and they did it. This is a phenomenal season, but if everybody's going to make that comparison, which I've heard them do, which is automatic to do, and yes, obviously, it does somewhat sour it for Man United fans that we are now joined by Manchester City, but it's not comparable. So don't make the comparison. Because if you're going to make the comparison, I'm going to make the comparison. And the comparison is, is that we did it against top level teams. Now, if, you, if we transition on to looking into this season's Champions League, you'll hear why they didn't. Because the English clubs this season were an absolute non-factor in this tournament. Look at Tottenham, look at Liverpool and look at Chelsea. And look at the seasons that they put forth in the EPL. Now, you could disregard Liverpool to some extent because they can always rise up and become a major force in European competition. But the fact is that they did not. Liverpool did not rise to the occasion. Liverpool were not a force in this season's Champions League. They were taken to pieces at home on their own turf at Anfield, where they are usually incredibly dangerous in European football at the hands of Real Madrid. And Real Madrid themselves were not really a force in this year's competition. People were trying to spin the narratives that, oh, this is the game where if Manchester City win this, they'll win the Champions League. They said that about Bayern Munich. Then they said that against Real Madrid. They said things like the other side of the draw is very weak. And this is the real Champions League final. They said that twice. And Manchester City came through on both occasions at home because they were pushed in both of the away legs. But let's look at the state of the two teams. Bayern Munich were an absolute mess. Bayern Munich needed Borussia Dortmund, a very average Borussia Dortmund side who didn't have Erling Haaland. Yes, they had Jude Bellingham, but they didn't have great weapons comparatively to other Borussia Dortmund teams that have also choked or have just been overwhelmed by the strength of Bayern. And they almost lost the league to Borussia Dortmund and they needed Borussia Dortmund to choke as a minus 700 
favourite on the final day of the season for Bayern Munich to get their hands on a trophy. They're an absolute mess. They went from Nagelsmann to Tuchel. They immediately exited two competitions, including the Champions League. It was a decision that did not work and has led to various board members getting the sack as a result of Bayern Munich's disappointing season. You cannot tell me there are strong contenders for the Champions League. As for Real Madrid, their entire season hinged on the signing of Kylian Mbappe, which did not come to fruition. This subsequently left Real Madrid weaker than the team who won the Champions League last season because they also sold Casemiro to Manchester United, who was a key player in their midfield, and they did not replace him. They went in with the midfield of Tushimeni, Tony Cruz and Luka Modric, all incredible names. Tushimeni is going to be an incredible player. But look at the ages of Tony Cruz and Luka Modric and look at the midfield that Manchester City have and who they can bring in. They still went with Karim Benzema up front and Karim Benzema, despite being the Ballon d'Or winner last year, is now going to be playing his football in Saudi Arabia. So this was not a Real Madrid team who was comparable to the team who won last year and won it with a lot of luck. I don't think that Real Madrid team that won last year was necessarily a great team either, but they were an incredibly lucky team and fate was on their side. It was not on their side this season. They used up all of their luck last season, so much so that they did not even win the league in La Liga. That was won by Barcelona, a team who exited the Champions League at the group stage, went into the Europa League and for large periods were outplayed by Manchester United, who finished third in the EPL, were nowhere near title contenders and Barcelona were taken apart by Man United for large periods of Manchester United in the end, knocking Barcelona out of the Europa League. And the reason Man United, in my opinion, did not win the Europa League was down to complacency, a complacent three-minute period against Sevilla. In the second leg at Old Trafford, they capitulated in injury time, let go of a game where they were leading comfortably and ultimately did not turn up for the second leg in Sevilla. So while by my logic, people may turn around and say, well, Sevilla must be better than Man United and Sevilla must be the best team in all of Spain, but how are they when they didn't win the league? No, that's not how it works because you can have a poor performance in Sevilla off the back of capitulating in the first leg and handing them all the momentum and not being able to cope with the Sevilla crowd who are the 12th and 13th man on their day. And ultimately, Sevilla have gone on to win the Europa League, but they're not the best team in Spain. Barcelona were because they won the league title and Manchester United were better than this team for 180 minutes. And Barcelona were the team who comfortably won the league in Spain with an incredible defensive record. They were miles better than Real Madrid this season. And Real Madrid, when it came to playing against Manchester City, was said to be the ultimate contender, the ultimate road roadblock, the final obstacle. No respect was given to the other side of the draw. Even by me, who ultimately said that I feel that Inter Milan will get through this side of the draw because I like the way that they've played their games against top teams this season. I think that they will have a blueprint and a game plan to beat Napoli, who were the outstanding and phenomenal performers in Serie A this season. But ultimately, that game didn't happen. We ended up with a Milan derby because Milan had the blueprint and the game plan to knock out Napoli. Had we seen a Napoli versus Manchester City final... 
it's a possibility that Napoli would have taken those chances and would have beaten Manchester City. Manchester City are fortunate that Romelu Lukaku was playing in his game. Pep Guardiola's even said as much. He's gone on to say that I won the Champions League because a striker couldn't score a goal from, from two metres. I would argue that it was even closer than that. So it's a great achievement and I'm not here to take away from it, but I'm also not going to compare it to the one that Manchester United had in 1999. At the same time, I would say Manchester City were very fortunate in a couple of these competitions. The Champions League was not the competition that it usually was for the reasons outlined when we look at the English clubs, when we look at Bayern Munich, when we look at Real Madrid. Hell, even when we look at PSG, we have to mention PSG because this is a team that have Neymar and Mbappe and Messi coming off the back of winning the World Cup. Once again, they're an absolute non-factor and once again, they will be having another rebuild. The question is, Will they be a contender next season? The question is, who will be a contender next season? Before we look at that briefly, let me quickly tell you about Underdog Fantasy because we're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in cash prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favourite favorite MLB and college baseball player props. So many ways to win over on Underdog Fantasy and active in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com and your promo code SGPN. So we're going to have a crazy early look at next season's Champions League lines. And we're going to try to cipher if there is a contender to stop Manchester City, because the first one is always the hardest one to win, which is why you probably see that sort of nervous performance from Manchester City in the final. Maybe it will be a little bit more comfortable next season as they will probably steamroll their way through the group or probably get themselves a nice tie in the round of 16. And the competition for City will really begin once again at that quarterfinal stage where the narratives will start. If they beat this team, they'll win it. Or if they'll beat this team, they'll win it. So before we get to that, let's have a look at how the lines start right now. City, of course, are the favourites at 2-1. to one, And there's no point really elaborating on why. The only thing I will say is it does look like they are losing some players. Bernardo Silva looks like he's on his way out of the club. He's choosing between Paris Saint-Germain and taking a huge offer from the Saudi league. Ike Gundogan actually looks like he's moving to a big club. It looks like he's moving to Barcelona. So he's done the winning the winning all the trophies with the oil money at Manchester City, uh, a club who don't really have a significant fan base. And he's decided to take his trophies elsewhere and to move to Barcelona and help with the rebuilding of that project and to see if Barcelona can be contenders for this competition next season. So um, some key players leaving there. Also rumours about Carl Walker leaving. Also rumours about Emmerich Laporte leaving. On the other side, we have um, rumours about Guardiola of... Um, RB Leipzig coming in and not really too many other players. There is some talk of hijacking the Declan Rice move, but ultimately you couldn't find any minutes for Calvin Phillips. So that's a bit of a strange one to me if City are going for Declan Rice. Obviously, this isn't a team who need to strengthen too much, but one of their biggest assets is their squad depth. 
And if they don't find the same squad replacements, in fact, when you're looking at the likes of uh, Bernardo Silva and Iko Gundogan, they were starters through the um, through the most part of the end of the season. So that would be significant losses, in my opinion, and difficult players to replace. And that goes for here, and it goes for the EPL as well. But for the EPL, there will need to be significant purchases by the teams underneath Manchester City for there to be any kind of title race. We will cover that over on the EPL show. The only reason I've delayed on putting out that recap show is because I'm just waiting a little bit longer to see what the situation is with Chelsea, who seem to be incredibly finding Saudi buyers for all of their players, whilst there's been um, some shady Saudi investment into one of Todd Bowley's companies. So very interesting to see what's going on there. Of course, the transfer window is not even open in the EPL till July the 1st, but there is some transfers being agreed prior to that. We'll have a better lid on things by next week. So I'm going to wait to put out my EPL recap around about Monday, Tuesday next week. So moving down the market here, we have Bayern Munich at 7-1. to Bayern Munich is still a bit of a mess. They're going to need to do some significant business in the summer. They're going to need to give Tuchel everybody that he wants to put up a challenge for the Champions League. Ultimately, with Jude Bellingham going the other way for Borussia Dortmund, I don't think there's going to be any major concerns for Bayern winning the Bundesliga again. I think this season was Dortmund's real chance. That's as close as they're going to get. If they choke that away, it's ultimately difficult for me to see how Bayern Munich just don't get to 20, 25 Bundesliga titles in a row as long as something disastrous doesn't happen. But Tuchel's not going to be judged on if he wins the league or the Pokal. He's going to be judged on if he wins the Champions League um, and if he can bring that back to Bayern Munich next season. And uh, I don't think he will. I just don't see Thomas Tuchel fixing this Bayern Munich team that finished the season. They were comfortably beaten at the Etihad by Manchester City. He's going to have some more time to implement his philosophies and his ethos on the team. Obviously, he didn't have time to do that immediately coming in and playing at home to Borussia Dortmund and then uh, playing the uh, quarterfinal against Manchester City. So that was a little bit unfair on him. He will have time to kind of strengthen up how he wants to play defensively at least. And maybe that will make a difference. But I don't think I've seen enough from this team to think that they're going to be contenders. PSG, they're a mess again. Neymar could be moving to Saudi. Lionel Messi's gone. That doesn't strengthen anybody. Kylian Mbappe's talking about this being his final season. Verratti's talking about wanting to leave the club as well. I don't understand how you have this team third in the market, but they do. But I'll disregard that and move on from this. PSG won't win the Champions League next season. You can take that to the bank. Real Madrid, they're available at 10-1. to Now, for me, this hinges on whether they do or don't get Kylian Mbappe. Are they going to wait one season to get him for free? Or are they going to come up with the money this season? If PSG know they're losing this player for free and they know they don't have the weapons to win the Champions League this season, which they don't, then I would forego this season. I would take around about 150 million. Because that's good money. That's great money for a player in his final year, who doesn't want to play for you next season. And I would sell to Real Madrid. I would not let them have this player for for free. I would make them spend 150 million. I would make them totally stretch their finances because the laws are a lot stricter in La Liga as Barcelona are finding out. And I would make them pay 150 million pounds for this player. It would make Real Madrid serious contenders for the Champions League, given the fact that they're adding Kylian Mbappe and 
they've already signed Jude, Jude Bellingham, who significantly strengthens his side. For me, Real Madrid are still a couple of players away, even with Mbappe and Bellingham. I think they need to make a couple of um, signings at the back. When I look at this back line and I compare it to other top back lines in the Champions League, I, just, I say, thank God you've got Thibaut Courtois behind them. Because I just don't think that the fullbacks are good enough for a top team like Real Madrid. I think that I'd be worried if I had Carvajal in my team going up against the wingers of today. You're playing Camavinga at left-back regularly. I don't think Mendy's even good enough for Real Madrid. I think the centre-back pairings can be decent. I like Eder Militao. I don't mind if he plays alongside Rudiger or Alaba. But is that top level? Is that going to win you a Champions League? I guess it doesn't matter as much when you have the firepower that you have, especially when you're looking at Kylian Mbappe potentially coming here and joining Vinicius Jr. in this lineup. Your midfield's been strengthened as well when you add Bellingham to the likes of Kroos and Modric and Kamavinga and Tushmeni. This is a very, very strong team. I think they're more than capable of winning the Champions League if Kylian Mbappe does join and replaces Karim Benzema in his team. And I would certainly make them my number one contenders to challenge Manchester City next season, especially given the historical pedigree in this competition. Just behind them, we have their rivals Barcelona at 12-1. to 1. Obviously, you make the case Barcelona should be higher in the market than Real Madrid because they won the league comfortably ahead of Real Madrid. But... When you look at the business that Real Madrid could potentially do in the transfer market, they're here currently at 10 to 1 on the basis of those rumours and their Champions League pedigree and the fact that they got further as well. Of course, as they signed Kylian Mbappe, this line will no longer be available, but I'd still be interested in playing Real Madrid at anything better than 7 to 1. As for Barcelona, they have to fare better this season. They got very unlucky with that draw, being drawn in a group of death. They're going to be a dangerous team if they're going to get past the group stage. And this 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 line is ultimately too big. The Real Madrid line is too big as well. Both of the lines for these two La Liga teams are too big. But can they beat Manchester City in a one-on-one contest? No. I don't think they can because they couldn't beat Manchester United in a one-on-one contest. And I still don't think they could beat Manchester United in a one-on-one contest. I would not fear playing this current incarnation of Barcelona. And for me, they would have to do significant business in this window, but they don't have the funds to do significant business in this window. Yes, they're very solid defensively if you look at their league record, but... Inter Milan went away and scored three goals at the new Camp. And Manchester United could have scored three goals at the new Camp. They ended up scoring two. They ended up scoring two against Old Trafford. It's very different to keep a couple of clean sheets home and away against Hatafe and, um, and Real Mallorca. But it's different when you're playing against the big boys in the Champions League. I don't think Barcelona will win this year's competition. Up next in the market, we have Arsenal. Arsenal are trying to do significant business in this window. I'm sorry I'm laughing, but just seeing Arsenal here at 14-1 to 1, priced up better than certain teams here in the market. When you're looking at the likes of Inter Milan, who just reached the Champions League final. When you look at Napoli, who won the league in Serie A. When you're looking at Man United, who I think, I think have a better first eleven than Arsenal on paper. And if we can get new ownership, are going to completely outspend Arsenal are going to be a far better choice for players a far more um, appealing choice for players than Arsenal so it just amuses me that Arsenal here at 14 to 1 in the market but they're trying to do business 
I just don't necessarily agree with the business that they're doing. They're making silly bids for Declan Rice, who's a player that they really want. They're haggling over £10 million, yet they're happy to pay £50, £60 million for Kai Havertz, a player who's underperformed in the Premier League for Chelsea for years, yet they're desperate to get him. Um, I, I don't know what to say about this prize. Arsenal aren't going to win the Champions League. Arsenal aren't going to win the Premier League. And I think if Arsenal finish in the top four again and mount any kind of title challenge, that will be a decent achievement for Arsenal. Um, up next, we do have my team, Man United. They're at 16 to 1. We're not going to win the Champions League either. So this isn't a case of me being biased against other teams and suddenly finding a reason why we're a massive price. We're the right price. We should be 16 to 1. We have a team who can potentially challenge for the Premier League if we can sign two or three more players in key positions. We would have been genuine contenders, I think, for the league had we made a better start. I think that would have meant that we would have focused primarily more on the Premier League rather than things like the League Cup and the Europa League. There would have been more significant rotation in those competitions to mount a real Premier League challenge. But after that starts, basically starting minus six, um, we couldn't ever do that. It's not to say that we didn't play strong teams in those games, even when we lost 7-0 to Liverpool. I think there's just a psychological element that goes with it, plus a tiredness factor. Man United played a ridiculous number of games last season. I think this team are better than the league position suggests. We were a team that got to the cup final. We were a team that won the League Cup. We were a team that beat Barcelona. On our day, we can be title contenders. But contenders, is and that's it, contenders is what Arsenal were last season. And I think we can have the season that Arsenal had, but we can't be Premier League winners and we can't be Champions League winners either. Not with the current players that we have. Not when we have the likes of Fred, McTominay, Harry Maguire, David De Gea as our goalkeeper, Anthony Martial. A lot of these players need to leave. I'm all for bringing Mason Greenwood back into this squad because this is one of the best young players in the world. Did he make a mistake? Is he an idiot? Yes, he's a complete moron. But he's still a potentially world-class player. And if we're not going to get the investment from the Glazers, if one of the people that we're going for is Mason Mount, if that's the level of Manchester United's transfer activity, then yes, we need to bring in Mason Greenwood. If we're, if we're a team who have Saudi investment and we're challenging Real Madrid for the signature of Kylian Mbappe, then, then send Mason Greenwood out, protect the reputation of the club and send him out on loan and uh, do away from that controversy for one or two seasons. But we're not that club at the moment. We're messing around with the sale. The Glazers won't go away. And whilst we have the Glazers at the wheel, we're not going to be able to win the Champions League. And we're probably not going to be able to win the Champions League either. Uh, the Premier League either. And contention is all we can hope for. And hope that our manager continues to work the miracles. And the miracle is what he did work in our first season with him in charge. Um, we're just going to breeze through these next lot of clubs. Napoli, phenomenal achievement, winning Serie A, but they've lost their manager. They're not going to win Serie A. They're not going to win the Champions League. Newcastle here at 20 to 1, priced above um, Atletico Madrid and last season's Champions League finalists, Inter Milan. They're going to have a ton of money to spend, but still. They're not moving their project forward at the pace that the supporters want. They're not bringing in these top, top tier, world-class players. Newcastle, 
aren't competing for the signing of Kylian Mbappe, for example. Newcastle didn't compete for the signing of Jude Bellingham. Newcastle are not rumoured to be one of the clubs that are signing Harry Kane. So until they move into those conversations, they should not be here in the market. Athletico are Athletico. They're at 25 to 1. I think the price on Inter is big. This is essentially going to be the same Inter team who got to the final this season. This is going to be an Inter team who I think are the favourites for Serie A. We'll talk more about that on the Scametta Italia recap. But I think this is a very, very big price on Inter. The market is made up with Dortmund at 33 to 1, AC Milan 40 to 1, Benfica 50 to 1, RB Leipzig 50 to 1. That's an interesting team to watch. Not for the right reasons, though. This is a team who've lost Christopher and Cuckoo. This is a team who are looking to, um, who are likely to struggle to hang on to keep Gardviel, their main defender. There's links to loads of their other players as well. This is a team who could drop out of the top four in Germany. So this is certainly not a Champions League contender, in my opinion. If they let too many players go, if they are in a position where they're forced to sell, and this is a team who could drop out of the top four in Germany, not just um, not just not the team that are nowhere contenders for the Champions League. Severe at fifty to one. We know they're going to drop out of this competition on purpose and win the Europa League. Um, Lazio sixty six to one, Porto eighty to one. Real Sociedad 80 to 1, final 100 to 1, and everybody else in this market is at 100 to 1 or over. So that concludes your season recap for the Champions League and a ridiculously early look at next season's futures lines. You know where to find me. I'm on Twitter at lockbetting.com. If you want to get all of my picks, head over to lockbetting.com. There are plenty of podcasts to come from me. Between now and the start of next season, we do, of course, have those recap shows, Scamessa Italia and the EPL show to come. This weekend, I'll be dropping a preview of the Gold Cup. We also have the Women's World Cup as well. I will also be covering all major fights on the fight show and I will be covering Wimbledon as well. So there will be a Wimbledon Futures preview dropping from me that will be available on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network in the next week. Make sure you subscribe to all of the feeds to make sure that you never miss any of my content. Until then, good luck of all your bets as always, and thanks for listening.